What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of A Footballer's Faith. I'm your host, John Hollinger, and today we had Wells Thompson on the podcast. Now, Wells is a former professional soccer player, and you know, he's some of his highs we talk about, and one of them is when Wells won the MLS Cup with Colorado, right? But you know, more importantly, we, we talk about his faith as well, right? So his whole faith journey as well as his soccer journey and what his faith looked like growing up in college and even at the professional level. What his faith in, in God was and, and also, you know, about Wells, you know, finding who he is, right? So, yeah, you know, it was a great episode. Hope you guys take away some value here. And uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Wells Thompson. What's up, guys? How's it going? Welcome to another episode of A Footballer's Faith. I'm your host, John Hollinger, and today our guest is Wells Thompson. How's it going, Wells? Yeah! (laughs) How you doing? Doing great, man. Glad to be here. Awesome. awesome connecting. Yeah, awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, why don't you go ahead and just give the listeners a, a short bio about yourself, uh, about yourself growing up uh, within, within soccer as well as in faith, because here at A Footballer's Faith, we talk about both of those, right? We talk about, you know, soccer and how soccer players can grow, but not just on the pitch, but also in the faith in Christ. So, um, so yeah, also just wanted to to thank you for coming on the podcast as well. So yeah, man, absolutely. It's um it's it's awesome to be asked to do. I love this stuff, man. And so I retired a couple years ago. I played professionally for nine years, and so I don't get the opportunity as much now as a former pro athlete to talk and share my story. But um, I like to do it, man. So you know, one of the things I'm really passionate about is the movement of being more than an athlete. And so for the majority of my life, I saw myself as just an athlete. And uh, so, but, you know, I think oftentimes in society, we, we, conf- we get confused um, by thinking that we are what we do and, and we're not our jobs. Like we're way more than that. And so who is Wells Thompson? It's a very, very complicated question. Um, depends who you ask. Uh, my wife will tell you I'm crazy. And a little bit weird and I just say that we're all a little bit crazy and weird and that's what makes us special and unique you know so uh, but I'm a dad um, well I guess I should backtrack I'm a husband so I married my my pre-k sweetheart uh, we've known each other since pre-k she was my first kiss in third grade no yeah first kiss in third grade no I asked her out in third grade maybe I kissed her in fourth something like that this is a true story okay I promise you I kissed her and I ran away and uh, she broke up with me shortly after that, but we ended up staying friends our whole lives anyway. So we've known each other our whole lives. That's the point of that story there, John. And uh, we have three young boys, so six, uh, three and a half, and almost two. So our world is full. Um, it is parenting is a lot harder than it looks. When we got married, we said we wanted eight or nine, and. They used to make me really mad because everybody would say, wait till you have one. And they are so right, man. You, it is just, uh, it is the greatest joy in the world, but it's super humbling and, and super challenging. And so that's what our life looks like 
uh, a lot right now is trying to navigate through COVID and are our kids going to go to school? What are they going to do in the summer? What are we going to do for our jobs? Are we going to go to work? You know, those sorts of things. So, um, but yeah, soccer is a big part of my life. And so I, I played everything growing up, baseball, basketball, ice hockey, lacrosse, golf, uh, you name it. But, but soccer was what, what I really felt like kind of God gave me a gift for. It was probably my best sport as well. So the older I got, the more, you know, time became a, a, a challenge and I have an older brother and a younger sister. So, you know, like as a kid, your parents are taking you all over the, the state, the country, the region to uh, play soccer games. And so I ended up just sticking with soccer. And, you know, by the time I was like 13, baseball was my other sport, but um, my dad said it was too slow for me. So I stuck with soccer. And yeah, man, I'm a little, I'm very underdog story. Um, I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid. Uh, drugs and alcohol is a big part of my story. And so I have an awesome family. Like my parents are awesome. My brother and sister are awesome. And so, you know, I was kind of, uh, I was just blessed to be born into an amazing family. And so, uh, but my mom would tell you I'm a middle child. And so it's always a middle child that's a little bit kind of crazier than everybody else. I don't know if that's true or not, but um, I was just kind of into everything. I wanted to grow up too fast. And so I started, um, my parents are Christians. So I was raised in the church, went to Sunday school, youth group, all that stuff, right? Um, but I thought Jesus was like the least cool thing ever. Um, I, I just, you know, every time I tell my story, I shake my head because I'm such an idiot. And I look back at my life and hindsight's 2020. You don't know what you don't know, right? But like as a kid, I literally lived to be the crazy kid. Like when I got into high school or middle school and the sorts of things, like I just wanted to be known as the guy that, that drank the most, that did the most drugs, that like, you know, like um, got in trouble with the law. I thought that was cool. And so um, I'm not sure why I did it. I think a lot of it was fitting in, but um, by the time I was 16, my life was really out of control and my parents knew they had to step in and, and save my life. So they, I wasn't living at home at the time. I was living with my best, one of my best friends and his grandmother and their, their duplex. She never came upstairs, so she never knew I was there. But I just turned 16. My parents called me and they said, Wells, will you come home? We'll take you, we'll take you the next day to get your license. So I was like, yes, freedom, right? I get my license and get to do everything I'm doing. Well, I didn't know that I was in for a big surprise that night. My dad came in the room in the middle of the night and he said, we love you, son. You're going to go away for a little while. I probably cussed at him, told him to get out of my room. And the next thing I know, two big guys came in that I'd never seen in my life. And so they said, get up, you're coming with me. And I said, do you know who I am? And I was kidding. I didn't say that. I was, I mean, I'm not big now, but you should have seen me then. You know, huge bowl cut, huge, man. I was a gangster. And I wore a hemp necklace with a mushroom. Are you laughing at me, man? I see you. Uh, a hemp necklace with a mushroom encased in it. Uh, long story short, they, they, they handcuffed me, threw me in the back of a black, black Tahoe, tinted out. Like, I don't know why I had to be a black tinted out Tahoe. It just fits the story, doesn't it? But it was, and they drove me, drove me 12 hours up to the middle of the Catsco Mountains. So I call it dumbass school. You know, it's a school for kids that just kind of lost their way, that need a little bit more help than, than others. And so that's where I kind of feel like God started to like knock on my heart, so to speak, or uh, just open my eyes that there's, there's more to life than drinking and drugging and fitting in and being cool and those sorts of things. Um, but what you'll learn from me in this podcast is, although I love Jesus, I live for Jesus. Like I'm, I'm a, one of my favorite sayings is, you know, it's level at the foot of the cross. So there's God and then there's all of us and we're all level and we're all the same place. And 
you know, it's a, it's a, your faith is a journey. And so I'm still learning that I'm still a screwed up individual that needs the grace of God multiple times every, every single day. Um, but just to get back to my story, I spent a year and a half up in New York, then I came home. And so obviously nobody was recruiting me up there at that school. I grew up five minutes from Wake Forest University and I did have some smaller offers for, or did have some offers from some smaller schools, some, some very good schools, but you know, I wanted to play at the best level that I could and Wake Forest, um, specifically Bobby Muse, uh, really believed in me and came after me and just recruited the, the piss out of me and did a phenomenal job. So I ended up going to Wake and I was a recruited walk on. They told me when I got drafted, they thought I'd never play. And I just, it just worked out, right? Like I, I, um, I feed off that a little bit. Um, and Wake Forest is obviously a perennial top 15 powerhouse and has been for the last 20 years, right? And so, you know, these, the guys that were coming in were, you know, all Americans, Gatorade National Player of the Year, the captain, like the, the US, US uh, national teams. And so I was just kind of a, a kid from Winston-Salem, local kid that no one really thought would make it. And um, I ended up playing as a freshman uh, a little bit, a decent amount, playing a little bit as a sophomore, but my junior year is really when I kind of things started to click together and I, I started making a name for myself and, and doing well. And so I got drafted by New England Revolution in the first round, fifth overall pick. That's a really cool story if you want me to get into it at some point. If not, you know, I'll save it. But uh, then played nine years professionally. So won an MLS Cup, a Super League title, U.S. Open Cup. I went to the White House, you know, met Barack, um, you know, done some pretty cool things. So it, I, I just, it was a dream come true. I never thought that I would ever play college soccer. So to, to, to play college soccer and then to go pro and I'm super sad it's over, honestly. Like I wish every day that I could go and continue to play mm -hmm. and, and that sort of thing. But uh, it's a young man's game, you know, and um, that's why I'm so, so passionate about being more than an athlete is because, you know, I'll live, hopefully I'll live a long life, right? Like I don't, I could die today or tomorrow, but uh, hopefully I'll live a long life. And so I'll, hopefully I'll live, uh, my life will have more years without soccer than with soccer. Um, but I lived my whole life up to, you know, recently with the fact that like soccer was going to be in my life for the rest of my life. So I didn't really care about anything. So I always used to hear like pro athletes be like, you know, uh, uh, like hit the books and study and learn and make sure you're focused on school. And I was like, I don't get it. Like, why? you know, like, and so now I get it because, you know, I got a great education at Wake Forest University. Um, but I, I, you know, I was just trying to get through, man, trying to play soccer and, and try to climb as high as I could. So. Definitely. Yeah. I, I like how you said like more than an athlete as well, because also when I introduced you at the beginning, I didn't want to say, all right, nine year MLS pro, I could have said, uh, you know, you won the MLS cup, but like, that's, that's a label, right? That's not, I mean, that, that's not really who you are. Right. Yeah. And labels can suck it. That's right. Exactly. Right. So like labels. And the thing is, is sometimes I think in the, especially in the sports world, we look at these top professional players and we, we look at them at with this label, right? Wow. This person is a, you know, an MLS cup champion. And, but the thing is, they're also a person too. They're a human too. And there's a lot of different things that go on in their life, like you were saying about your family and everything like that. So how do we like, like any like advice about like moving away from that identity only in soccer and, yeah. and really trying to find who you are? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I, I laugh a little bit because I remember um, I remember making the mental shift and the decision when I so I played. I was drafted to New England. I played there for three years and I was traded to Colorado in 2010. And I remember when I got traded um, that like I was going to say yes to every appearance. Like I was like, okay, I got to start leveraging my platform as much as possible. I don't know how long this is going to last. And so I went to our media and PR person and was like, look, I want to go to everything. Like sign me up. You don't have to ask me, just let me do it. I wanted to be in the community meeting people and those sorts of things. And uh, so I would do like a lot of churches or, um, or schools and tell my story and tell kids like, you know, have dreams and go after them and chase them because they do come true. Like I'm, I'm living proof, but also don't put your identity in anything that can be taken from you. Right. And so, um, like anything really other than Jesus, right. Because all that other stuff can be taken from you, but I didn't know what I didn't know. So obviously I'm sure you have to share yourself grace there because, because life is, you know, hindsight's 2020. So you look back and you can see and line things up, but um, you know, th th it's so important and, um, I'm so passionate about it is because when I retired, I really struggled. I didn't know who I was, you know, this one constant thing. In my life. I mean, everywhere I went, John, it was, Hey, uh, this is Wells Thompson, professional soccer player. So like everything, everybody labeled me professional soccer. And I lived in, and I lived in that tape and that, um, that kind of tunnel vision of like, this is who I am this is this is people people know me and they like me and they want to be around me because i do this mm -hmm. right and so um i really struggled man but um you know the most asked question i got as a pro athlete was what we do when you're done playing i remember like my rookie season we fly commercial right mm -hmm. i remember my rookie season i'm a friendly guy i'd meet everybody and, and talk to them and uh, what do you want to do after you're done playing? You know, I'm like, I just want to enjoy my season, you know, yeah. but it was a great question because it made me think about like life after sport and that sort of thing. And, but they would always follow up with, um, cause I would say, they would say, what are you going to do after soccer? I say, I don't know. And it was like clockwork, John. They'd say, well, don't worry. Um, everyone loves to hire pro athletes. And so my vision, I heard this for nine years as a pro, like all the time. And so my vision a little bit is being, I'm being facetious here, but when I retired, like there'd be a bidding war for my services. I want wells for 150 grand. No, I take them for 175. I mean, I just really thought like my, op my options would be, would be endless. And it's been the greatest struggle for me outside of finding my identity in Jesus and, and not in sport has been... Um, I don't feel that, and maybe part of this is me, but I don't feel I get the respect I, I deserve as a former pro athlete because they look at me and say, well, what kind of tangible skills do you have? You know, and so I'm like, mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's a lot of intangible things that correlate to the business world. Like I truly believe that being a pro athlete is the greatest teacher for life. Like whatever, whatever arena you want to take that into. And we talk about teamwork, you talk about like dedication, determination toward a long-term goal, um, like, like all that stuff, right? It translates to life after sport, but I didn't do the work necessary to understand that. And so when I would, when I, and I'm still struggling through it, like what kind of experience do you bring to the table? Wells, those sorts of things. And, you know, it's, you, you have to learn how to communicate that in, in an effective way. And so, um, you know, I, I, I love what you said about labels. Like, I, I, I don't like being labeled. I don't want people to label me. And, uh, you know, the, the, lab, the one label I'm really proud of is that I love Jesus, man. And, uh, and, and I'm cool with that because I think it's the greatest thing in the world. And it's funny, you know, it's, it's really interesting when you think about society and the world we live in. And, 
you know, mm-hmm. as an athlete, it's the greatest platform there is outside of um, musicians or movie stars. Like, you know, you can go anywhere, you can talk to anyone and it's just because you do that. And at the end of the day, it's like, we're not the heroes, right? Like who are the real heroes in this world? It's the teachers, it's the military, it's the single moms and dads. Like, like they're the heroes, right? Um, and just to kind of like wrap that up is, you know, people look at you very differently from pro athlete versus former pro athlete. And so one of the things I'm always trying to communicate to pro athletes is look, capitalize on the platform that you have, like understand that this life as a pro or even a college, college athlete, right? Like even as a college athlete, you're playing from four to 22 or 23 or 21, whatever it is, like it's a long time. And so it can be very difficult to transition. So I always encourage people to like, figure out what other interests you have. And that's something I didn't really do. Like, I, you know, in college, it was like, I'm just trying to get through. And so when I retired, I was like, man, what the heck do I do? And I hadn't done the work in order to prepare. I think that if, you know, if you make it to the pro or even in college, like the transition to life after sport is going to be, is going to be difficult. Like you, you can't completely erase that, but I think you can, you can prepare yourself to make the transition a little bit easier. Definitely. Yeah. And you're, you're talking about that right now on your own podcast with, with Jonathan Van Horn, the shift podcast, right? Yeah. About, about yeah. shifting to life after sports, you know? So yeah. I, I think, I think it's, uh, it makes a lot of, it's, it's, it's very true. It's like change is inevitable. Like it's going to happen. Right. And those yeah. transitions are really, are really difficult, you know, if you don't prepare yourself, you know? So, um, so yeah, I mean, what was it also, as, as a, as a professional player, like, and you know, you said you grew up going to church yeah. and you grew up in a Christian home. Did you expect, like, how, how, how was it when you got to the pros and did you like, how was your faith journey while you were a professional soccer player and interacting with, um, you know, players in the locker room, on the pitch, off the pitch, all that, how did, how did all that look? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, we talked about this before, John, is that, you know, when I used to share my story, I used to say, I decided to follow God at this point. I don't believe that. Like, yeah, I did accept his free gift, but I think that God is a God that's like relentlessly pursuing us. And so like, as I look back on my life, I see the people that he put in my life, like Bobby Davis, he was a Christian um, teammate of mine at Wake Forest, and he loved Jesus, but he came to all the parties. He just didn't partake. And he was cool with Jesus and, and comfortable in his own skin. And that was something I never was as a kid. Like, I, just, I was like, ah, oh, that's not cool. People are going to like me, judge me, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my, you know, uh, my junior in college um, during spring break is when I came to know Jesus or started walking with Jesus. And it's interesting because my freshman year, so like even though I got sent away to school, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm hard-headed. So it takes me a long time to learn. And so I got back into drugs and alcohol. Like when I look back on my life, John, I've done absolutely everything to screw it up that I possibly could. And God has like knit it together and brought me through all of that stuff, right? Like cheating in college, um, you know, doing drugs and, and drinking and, uh, you know, like all this stuff. And, and, and you're like, God, why, you know? And so uh, I'm so blessed to like go through all this stuff. And, um, you know, it's a journey, but I totally lost my train of thought there. But, um, um God, what was I saying I was asking about how how it was within the pros like your faith and everything oh, yeah, like yeah, that yeah, yeah. and like yeah yeah 
Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I was going to spring break. So my, my freshman year spring break, I went to Cancun. I actually smuggled drugs to Cancun to partake, right? And so mm -hmm. I was partying. Yeah. Uh, my sophomore year, I um, went to Miami. So you can imagine what we were doing in Miami in spring break, right? My junior year, like I started to get plugged into a ministry, I think FCA, and then there was another ministry called Emmaus, which was like a, a college Christian ministry. And the Lord was just, you know, I, I don't know what was going on inside, but like the Lord was doing something, right? Putting people in my life, that sort of thing. And uh, and so my junior year of spring break, I, uh, I'm on a podcast, I can't talk, sorry, love you. My junior year spring break, I signed up to go on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And so I went on a mission trip and, the, and Jesus just wrecked me. Like I remember coming home from that trip. Uh, I was dropped off at my parents' house, going up to the, I uh, went up to my bathroom and I, wet, I locked myself in the bathroom. I wept for like an hour, two hours. Like I just uncontrollably. And so, you know, talk about like uh, the spirit coming inside of you, you accepting Jesus into your heart, like it's supernatural, right? So I, I, I don't have the words for that, John, right? And I, I think often as humans, we're like, I've got yeah. to find the words to communicate this. I don't know what Jesus changed me, right? Like Second Corinthians, uh, I'm a new creation in Christ. And so I believe that that's when I really like God pursued me so much. I was finally like, I give up, I give up. I'm, I'm following you, right? And so I kid often, often is that like I was a saint, uh, after that moment it's such a joke right like yeah it's sanctification it's a process it's it's uh it's a journey and uh, we never get it right like we don't get it until we die and we're in heaven and, and he makes us new again and that sort of thing but um so like when i got drafted my uh, and so you know i come back from Dem dominican republic i start listening to christian music and i talk to my friend bobby davis i'm like hey do you know who shane and shane is and like he's like yeah man i know i've been listening to them for years you know and i'm like so anyway the lord was like uh like changing my interests and my heart and like you know the the, the partying was still there but as much of a it was a struggle and like mm -hmm. I, I would choose not to do it as much and then so it's figuring out like how do i fit in now I, you know i gotta talk to my friends and like um, you feel like you have to have all the answers, right? You follow Jesus, yeah. so you're a different person, so there's a struggle. Uh, when I got drafted up to Boston, very different from the South and North Carolina, like even, even in North Carolina, if you don't follow Jesus, you say you do, and you go to church because that's kind of like a, a cultural thing to do. And so, um, you know, I was the typical like Christian athlete, like newborn Christian athlete, like everything was about Jesus. Like, what are you going to eat for dinner? Uh, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. And so I remember like, and, and then I understood that like gained a little maturity that like, I didn't have to do that. But I'll never forget it, the very first interview I did. It was get to know Wells Thompson. And it was, you know, I love Jesus. And so the day after the, the story was published, our PR person came to me and she said, Wells, you need to stop talking like that up here. People aren't going to like you. And so I remember that was a very, it was a pivotal point in my faith, right? Like, at the time, I would have said it was persecution. I understand now it's not persecution. Like real persecution is people getting their heads cut off and, and people being tortured and excommunicated from their families and society, which happens every day around the world. Like that's real persecution. Um, but it was the first time really where people had like openly um, disagreed with Jesus, you know? And so, um, and, and looking back now, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. Um, so there was, there were a couple of Christians on the team, I think in new England, but there were a lot of really, um, loud, um, characters and, and, and guys that there's a lot of people that have a problem with Jesus. I get it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all this stuff I, looking back is like, God uses it for our good and for his glory. 
right? And so we should rejoice during those things. And I wasn't, although I wasn't rejoicing at the time, I rejoice now because I know that that stuff made me who I am today. And so I started to, I went home and I was like, okay, I believe in Jesus. Why? And I started just asking myself the tough questions, right? Like I started reading my Bible. I started mm -hmm. studying yeah. and I stopped learning. I stopped like leaning on Sunday school answers or just um, Christian cliches or um, like, I really want, I wanted to know, I want to know for myself. Mm -hmm. And so, and I think that's, that, that's how God wants it. Like I, oftentimes you run into people and they're, they're scared to doubt or scared to, um, you know, like uh, admit that they have uh, the questions or doubt or frustrations or fears. And I'm like, God, give it to God. If he's really who he says he is, like he can take our puny little uh, doubts and fears and, and, and even small faith and, and make it into something great because it's him that does the work, right? And so that it's been a journey. Like I was the younger brother as a kid, like rebel. And then, you know, uh, I, I was, I became a little bit of an older brother and it became a little bit about like legalism and like following the rules and do this and don't do that. And, um, and, you know, I think it's, we'll, we'll always kind of waffle and, and, and try to figure that out, but I'm trying to figure it out for myself now. And, um, I just, I, I read the scriptures and I'm like, man, who, what is, who is Jesus and, and what does he stand for? And, 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 and how does he want me to live my life? I think what's very real uh, for me and for most of us in society is fitting in, is, is, is going along with the crowd. And I think God is so countercultural. You know, it's, it's uh, Christianity, is, it's an upside down perspective. It's a backwards perspective. It's, uh, you know, look at the world. If the world's going one way, Jesus is probably going the other way. Um, and so, and that's tough. And so, um, but yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn and grow in it and I, I still mess up and that sort of thing. But, um, I remember, you know, as a, as a, I became known as like a, the, the Christian kid and, and I was okay with it. And one of one of the most freeing, um, things in my life, John, was when I realized that I could say, I don't know, you know, because I, 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 I when I look, when I first came to know Jesus, I would argue with people and like, and there's nothing wrong with debate and like talking about things. That's great. And the devil wants us to believe that like, we, we can't disagree and still love each other. We can, right? Like I, I have a lot of Muslim friends. I have Hindu friends. I have um, atheist friends. Like, and, and, and that's how I think Jesus wants it because uh, he wants to use us in, in their lives and this sorts of things. But um, I, I still love them as people, regardless of um, whether they believe my beliefs or not. And so when I realized the two things I realized was um, I can say, I don't know. And I don't have all the answers like sitting in Colorado in the locker room after practice, like there were some big personalities. So they would, they would, they would quiz me. They would make fun of me like kiddingly. And I knew what they were doing. I was friends. I could see past that stuff. Um, and then the second thing was realizing that God chooses to use us in people's lives, but we don't do any of the changing. Like we really just have to be there and be present and wait for the Holy Spirit to work through us to love on that person or say the, say the right thing or just be present. And so I think oftentimes like as a pro athlete, I felt like I had to say certain things. I felt like I had to uh, live a certain way. Um, and so we've talked about this too. There's a lot of unlearning that's been going on in my life, like unlearning of things growing up that I learned that I thought were really Jesus, but now I'm like, nah, it's not really Jesus. Like, I think that's maybe a little bit more legalism and, 
or, you know, something's off there. And so, you know, I always tell kids like, don't follow Jesus because I say so, or your pastor says so. And, and what's really cool when you look at scripture, Paul commends the Bereans, which is a type of people like, uh, because they went home and whatever they heard from a preacher or somebody else, like they tested it against scripture. And so I think back in my life, like how many things I've heard that I found out later were wrong. And then I just like tell people that like, so one, one example here, John, I'll make fun of myself, but um, I started a, a homeless ministry when I was in Colorado. There was a bridge by the stadium. So I would take all our uh, lunch meals, the leftover stuff to them after practice. And so I became really close to one of the guys, his name was Chuck. He actually ended up living with me for a little while. Like I invited him and he would come live with me. I was, he was invited to our wedding. Like we came really close. I remember arguing with him about the different sins, like different um, degrees of sin. And so like, I was like, no, some things are worse than others, you know? And I believe scripture is clear. Like, and, and that's where you have to look at scripture and just uh, nitpick like certain verses and be like, ah, that's it. You know, because there's a lot that goes on behind it, context, time, all that stuff. Right. And so um, I, I look back on that now and I'm like, yeah, I was wrong, you know? And so, uh, and, and I'll do that for the rest of my life, I'm sure. But that was just an example that came to mind. So freedom in Christ and that, like, I don't have to have all the answers and that it's faith for a reason. Like, um, it's faith for a reason. So. Exactly. I like that too. Cause it is faith for a reason. Cause you know, believing in something that you cannot see like that is, that is faith right there. That's the whole essence right there, you know? And also we don't know all the answers because it's like, I mean, we talked about this as well before where like, like it, it's beyond our comprehension. It's, it's beyond what our human minds can conceive of. There's, there's, there's the supernatural of God. Right. And he works wonders that like we can't always, you know, figure out with our own human minds. Right. And a lot of, a lot of us try to do that. And, and that's, and that's how we get stuck. You know, we're trying to find the logical way of why, why things happen or what this means, but it's, it gets really tough, you know? So, yeah, I think, it, I think what's great to say there, because I know that there's people that are listening to this and they're like, yeah, it's, it's your faith. You don't use your brain. And, and I think that like, that's not what we're saying. We're saying that like, like God created science. So, yeah. and I believe that science points to God. And so, I mean, we look at the Bible over 3000 prophecies are being fulfilled. Like it's not an uneducated, like blind faith. It's like, okay, I'm taking, I'm taking all the facts that I can and, 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 and doing my uh, due diligence and trying to figure okay, is Jesus who he says he is? Or is it, um, you know, is it one of the Hindu gods or is it um, Allah or like, who is it? Who, who is really is God. Right. And so, um, it's, it's lining that up. And to me personally, I've come to the conclusion that Jesus is who he says he is. He is the one true God. And so, um, yeah, it's, a, it is faith and there, there's a component to it. Like Martin Luther King said, like you take that first step without really knowing what the second step is. And there's a lot of unknowns, right? Like there's a lot of unknowns and the smartest person in the world, like they won't know everything. And so, um, yeah. Definitely. And definitely the unlearning that you were saying really makes sense a lot as well, because, you know, we do a lot of things, but like, how often are we like questioning why we've done it before, you know, and it's sometimes it's by the way we, we were raised or, uh, you know, our friends growing up and things like that, right? So it's really important to like dig, dig deep down into ourselves, like why, you know? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, 
Yeah, I think grace obviously is so important in the life of a Christian. And mm-hmm. you know, I'll be the first one to admit I don't I don't show myself. I don't show other people as much grace as I should. But when we, when we understand the grace that that God has poured down on us, and I tell you that one of the best ways to understand that is become a parent. Because I mean, I can't tell you like I apologize to my kids a hundred times more than they apologize to me. Because I'm like, man, I'm always doing something wrong, and I'm getting like. I'm getting frustrated or like upset with him. And, um, but that's grace. Right. And that's, that's how it should be. It's like, and so, you know, I, I look back on my life and I see times where I'm like, I really stood. I think oftentimes as Christians, we feel like we have to, we always have to point out sin. We always have to point out what other people are doing wrong. And, um, you know, I'm just not, I just think that we can never go wrong with showing grace. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not cheap grace. It's not like, okay, I'm going to go steal and then be like, Lord Jesus, forgive me and, 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 and not have any effects. Right. Like that doesn't please God. Um, but, um, it, you know, that is the life of a Christian. It's grace upon grace upon grace. You know, the greatest definition recently that I've heard of a Christian is disadvantaging yourself for the advantage of others. And, uh, man, I'm looking at my life and I'm like, do I live like that? No. Nah. I mean, yeah, sometimes like, you know, a couple, you know, scenarios come to mind, but what about like the 98% other rest of my life? It's like, man, that is really, really hard to do. And so it's this understanding that like, there's nothing I can do to earn my salvation. Like Jesus looks at me and he's like, I I love you, man. I love you, John. That's my boy. You know, whatever we're doing, like I created you to do that. Like, that's my boy. You're doing it for me, you know? And, um, and so it's this, it's this understanding, and I think it's so misunderstood in the life of a Christian is that mm-hmm. we don't earn it. Um, but the greatest, the, the battle that we fight is because we live in the world, which is fallen, and, um, you know, like, we're chasing money, or we're chasing fame, or we're chasing, like, a, a higher status in soccer, right? Like, we're never truly satisfied. And so when I look back on my career, like I've done a lot of really cool things, but the things that stand out aren't like the trophies or the championships. It's like the people, it's experiences, is the places because those other things never fulfilled me. And I always thought they would. Like I remember when I won the US Open Cup and the MLS Cup, the one question that remained in my head was, this is it? Like this is everything that I sacrificed my life for. And so you know as a pro athlete, John, like we've sacrificed a lot, man. Like you know, in, instead of going out and part, which I know I talked a lot about partying earlier, but there was a lot of times where I sacrificed. Like as a kid, I would wake up at 5 a.m. with my dad and run. Like, I mean, the weekends were soccer. And so it was like, that was my life for my whole life. And uh, I think we subconsciously, although we know that it's not going to fulfill us, we think it will. And so it's easy to kind of get back into that mindset and try to work for your salvation or um, find fulfillment through things in this world. Definitely. So growing up, when did you like envision yourself playing in the MLS, winning an MLS cup? And also once you won it, was it like something like in the moment, like maybe like, you know, the initial emotions and the initial reactions, like, was it like what you thought it would be? And yeah, just, just take us through that, I guess. Yeah, I don't want to sound like an ungrateful prick because I'm really like I'm really glad I did all those things. Yeah. I'm thankful, man, and they were awesome. And we rejoiced yeah. and we celebrated and we 
um, we have fun, man, you know, and that's yeah. good. And, and, and God wants us to do that, right? Like he wants us to, to enjoy like the things that he has given us because they're good things, right? It's like soccer. It's not the thing. It's like money. It's not the thing. It's us that make it into something that's really unhealthy. And so, mm-hmm. um, I look at soccer, like soccer has driven me, I've won those things through soccer. Like soccer's given me so much, right? But it's also like, it's brought about depression. Like I'm a man who struggled with an eating disorder, right? It's brought about like suicide, like thought about suicide, right? And so a lot of this stuff is stemming from soccer because I'm not starting or I'm not, I'm not becoming who I want to become or I'm not playing as much or, you know, I'm not getting these things. It's because my identity was so fully uh, planted in the game. Like it, it, it was such performance um, identity that like, you know, it would dictate the rest of my life. And so that's a really hard way to live, right? Like, I mean, cause a lot of things are out of your control, whether, you know, whether the coach doesn't like you or not, or, you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of, there's probably a lot of uh, people that were better than me growing up or in college that didn't get drafted, but I was the one that did. Right. And so it, it's, it's, uh, it comes down to perspective. So you, you, all it really takes is one person believing in you. And so I've had like, one of the things I'm real careful about when I talk about my story is like, I did this, like I did all this, right? Like I did it. And I know, and there's a whole, there's like, God's all over it. Right. But like, then I look at like my family, like my dad, uh, my parents, they never, it didn't matter how good or bad I played. They love me. And again, they push me because that's what parents do. They push you to become better and to, to reach your potential. But like, it was, hey, did you have fun? Did you work hard? Okay, let's, let's go eat ice cream or something like that, right? Like, they, it wasn't like life or death. And then I look back, like, my, my, I had really great youth coaches and they had awesome, like, going to Wake Forest was, like, one of the greatest things ever because it, 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 it's so professional and, and first class and, like, it just, it, it just gave me what I needed to play at the next level. And then I had some, some good coaches and teammates and yeah, that's another thing. Teammates, like great teammates, right? Like these, I certainly don't do this by myself. And so I forget what your original question was, but like, what was the original question? Um, you envisioning winning the MLS oh, cup yeah. as a kid and also when it actually happened, what was like yeah, the emotions so- and initial reactions? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I always kind of said that like I wanted to be a pro athlete. I'm not sure I thought about it too much. Um, what's really interesting though, is as far back as I can remember, I would, um, I would, uh, I would close my eyes and, 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 uh, meditate before the game and, and play out everything in my, what's that called vision casting or whatever. Like I would close my eyes before the game and I would play things out in my head. Like, like, I wanted them to like, I'd score goals at pass. And mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't know what I was doing at the time, but I look back now and I was like, wow, that's really strange that I did that. And it was like a 10 year old going to a game. Right. And so it just became like a, a pregame uh, yeah. you know, ritual. Um, you know, in terms of winning things, I think that, yeah, I mean, you, you I'm a competitor and um, I'm, I'm determined. And so like when, it, you know, going to wake, it was like, Oh, I'm just so happy to be on the team. But like, I'm not happy if I'm not playing, right? Like, so it's like, I gotta start, I gotta start. So I'd start and it's like, I gotta play every minute, gotta play every minute. And so you realize that like the older you get, you're like, man, I really, so I read STEM less, right? And so, yeah, I could have gone on the national team or could have gone overseas somewhere, but like, 
I reached the top in, 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 in America and it, it didn't fulfill. And it goes back to that fulfillment thing. Like, yeah, it was great. And this is what I was talking about. Yeah, it was great. And I, and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but it was too much for me. Like I, I, I put too much on it or in it and I found my identity in it. So if I didn't play or if I didn't play well, like I, uh, I, I didn't feel good about myself. And so that's, that's no way to live. Right. Um, and so it, it goes back to the very first thing I said, when we get confused on, we are what we do. And so it's like, I mean, just think about it every day. Like John, when you meet someone, you're like the very first question you ask, is, what, what do you do? You know, it's not like who you are or like, um, and so, you know, I'm very aware of that. And so I, uh, I'm because I'm much more than an athlete. And so what's really, really cool is there are a lot of people like Kevin Durant or, or, um, you know, a mobile Okugo and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of athletes that are changing that narrative saying like, we're more than an athlete and the world should view, view us that way because at the end of the day we are right. And it shouldn't be that like, yeah, you're really cool when you play your sport, but when you're done, not so much, you can't really do anything for us. Right. Because the exact same things that drove you to reach that level um, correlate to to life anywhere else. So, definitely, yeah. Was there any time like also like when you're playing and like like I know you're talking about like because you got so like invested into soccer and in you know these results within soccer and your performance, like how was the emotions with that as well? And like, what would you like recommend for, for, for anyone, you know, like how to go about that? Because it could be, it could be tough if you're really trying to go based only on performance yet, you know, as, as Christian soccer players, right. We want to succeed on the soccer pitch too. Right. And, and enjoy it, you know, but like, how do we really like kind of like tame these emotions? Yeah. So as um, this goes back a little bit, like the one label I'm willing to accept is that I love Jesus and I follow Jesus Mm -hmm. and that permeates through all of my life. So it's not like I go to work and I take my faith hat off and, and, and Mm -hmm. Jesus, Jesus didn't allow in the workplace, you know? So when we understand like Jesus, the Holy spirit live inside of me, wherever I go, like I'm shining the light and life of Christ. And so I was very aware that when I was drafted, that was my platform to honor God. And so um, it was, it was a time for me to serve. It was a time for me to give back and, you know, Luke 12, 48 to whom much is given much is expected. And um, you know, my, my, so I I came to know Jesus through a mission trip. And so the whole mission trip thing is, is a little bit backward in my eyes. Like here in America, we think you have to go to Africa to be a missionary. And as Christians, we're all missionaries, wherever we are. And uh, God puts people in our life for a reason and you don't have to go anywhere. Right. You just have to live to tell people about Jesus. And so, um, but I, I think it's one of the greatest things that any believer can do is go, go, go somewhere else in the world and see how others live. Right. Because, mm-hmm. and obviously this is me, a rich white man in America speaking from my perspective. And a lot of people in America do have it bad, but um, it's just different. So, you know, my first uh, 2007, 2008, one of the, and this goes back to like one of the greatest things soccer's given me is, is taking me all around the world. Because if I don't have soccer, I don't know if I leave once to say I'm North Carolina. I don't know if I leave North Carolina. And so the greatest gift that soccer has given me is taking me to the bush of Kenya, right? With the Samburu tribe. Um, it's taking me to Democratic Republic of Congo, Congo to Nicaragua, to pr- playing in prisons in Chile, like opening your eyes to the needs of the world. And, and scripture talks about it. Like, you know, I, I signed up on all these trips to go help people, but they gave me so much more in return. 
And so that's the thing, you know, um, the poor are rich in faith. And so that's what really matters. And so as, as a, that's what I tried to do is, and I had a lot of great people in my life that pushed me to do this, but my rookie year, we, we lose in the MLS cup and I go to Kenya for two, I'll go to Kenya for a week and then Zimbabwe for a week. And we're literally in the bush, man, with Samburu and uh, we're playing like we do a little camp. And so it was like, there's a lot of tribal fighting. And so the, the, there was a one week where we did this sport, a soccer tournament where the, the, the tribes agreed to not fight. So they brought teams to the, to our little camp there. And, uh, uh, we played, uh, games on a dirt field with like goats crossing. I was the only one, maybe there were a couple other people with cleats, but like, man, it was so cool. They were actually really good too. It is be interesting to get some of those guys on like a, a real field with like cleats and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, um, we have opportunities everywhere. And so the things that really kept me grounded were, um, doing those sorts of things, right? Like seeing the need, understanding that I have a lot, I have a lot to be grateful for. And, and God has given me so much. And, and those are the really times that I reflect on, like when I die, I'm not going to ask to see my championship ring again. You know, the only reason John that, that I know where my championship ring is, is because I take it to like, um, to talk to kids and I'll be like, Oh, look at this. Isn't this really cool? And they're like, Oh yeah, that's awesome. And I'm like, it's really not that cool. Like no one knows like the year after we won the MLS cup, it's like the day after you win the MLS cup, it's like, who's going to win it next year. If anything, you get like three hours of like, Oh yeah, Wells won the MLS cup. And it's like, it's not like I walk around and like, I win the MLS cup or I wear my ring or people are like MLS cup. And so you just look at what you sacrificed to get that. And it's like, man, that's a lot for, for, for really not much. Um, so, you know, I think the older we get, the more we understand or we, we, we question what life's about and, and God, these things aren't fulfilling me, but I really feel alive. And I'm like feeding the poor or like housing the hungry or like fighting for people and speaking up for people that can't speak for themselves. And then you're like, ah, oh, that's what Jesus says. That's what Jesus, that's why I feel so good doing it. Cause you know, if I just followed what he said, you know, like, and, that, and that's the battle you got, it's, it's, um, you go where you focus. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, when I'm during the season, it was like, man, I'm focused on soccer, soccer, soccer. And here's the thing, like God wants you, John, to be the hardest working, most determined, most passionate goalkeeper in the world. Right. Because that honors God. And I think some, there's a, there's a misconception that like, because you're a Christian soccer player, like you're weak or you're timid and you're like, that's not Jesus or the God of the Bible that I know, you know? And so, you know, my problem, John, was trying to, was not crossing that line of like, you're being a, you're really being a jerk or like, because I got, I get fired up. Like I, if someone came yeah. into me, like, and so I would intentionally like try to stir things up and I'm a very emotional human being as it is, if you can't tell. So, um, you know, it'd be hard to, to, to tame those emotions, but God wants you, whatever you're doing, you do it for the glory of God, Colossians says. And um, so whether you eat or drink or talk. Mm-hmm do a podcast yeah or, you know if you do it as a in a what does that look like and it's just being aware of like oh, god's given me these gifts and abilities and mm-hmm. ultimately that I'm, I'm playing for him so definitely yeah that's that's a lot of great stuff right there um well my dad my dad always says man like uh we're you know the god I forget the quote it's like the conversion of the the speakers this the speaker himself like so like i'm preaching to myself man 
Yeah. You know, like, and, and when I'm, when I go, I still talk to kids and, and schools and stuff. And it's like, it's so, I get so passionate about it because these are yeah. all things I'm learning over and over and over again. And, uh, you know, I think that people like one, one reason I'm really open about my weaknesses and like whether it's suicide or depression or eating disorders or cheating in college or drugs and alcohol as a kid is because I feel like people relate way more to our weaknesses than they do to our strengths. Right. And like people think it's cool that you want an endless cup, but when they're like, man, you really thought about killing yourself because you didn't start. Yeah, I did. You know? So when we get real and raw about that, people are like, man, like I have really crazy thoughts too. And like, and so I think it's sometimes we feel like we're special and we don't experience these things. So when we hear other people say them, we're like, yeah, cool. Okay. I'm okay. Right. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's just a normal, normal thing. Like we're all screwed up and we're all trying to figure it out. And so, yeah, definitely. Like, yeah, it's tough. Cause it's like, in, in, especially even in the world today, like a lot of us don't want to, you know, talk about our weaknesses, you know, our vulnerabilities and things like that. Cause it doesn't make us look good, especially with social media and everything, you know? So yeah. it's, yeah. it's, it's really crazy, you know? So, um, yeah. And you know, y- you talk a lot about grace as well. So like, so there's, there's grace and then there's also like there's there's truth as well. And like where do you find like kind of that balance i guess to where it's like you can you could show both right so you're not falling too far away from from jesus yeah there's um a tim keller quote which i'm not sure i'm gonna get it right but um so so the lord talks about um he he operates in full grace and full truth Mm -hmm. and so the hard part for us is we aren't jesus right so we often aren't ever operating with full grace and full truth or don't even know what that looks like, right? Mm-hmm. And so he does because he's God. So he comes in and so that's how he, he uh, interacts and engages with people. It's full grace, full truth, right? Um, Tim Keller said, if we operate in all truth and no grace, we're bullies. And if we operate in all grace and no truth, we're cowards. And so, um, you know, it's, it's like if you're operating in all grace, but there's no truth in the situation, well, we, we probably, there's times where we could be hurting the people because we're actually not telling them the truth. The hard part is figuring out when do we, like how to operate in full grace and full truth, right? And so I look back on my life and I've shared it a little bit through this podcast is like, I've looked on my life and I'm like, way too much truth there, not enough grace, right? Way too much truth. Like, um, and, and it goes back to like, I don't need to remind that, person that he is sinning like every time that he's or whatever he's doing like yeah and and so the lord calls us as brothers and sisters to hold each other accountable in the faith right like if i see if john if we if i see you and you're like you're whatever doing something like that i don't think is aligned to jesus like it, it's it's being a coward for me not to be like hey john do you think you, do you think that's the right thing man or do you think that's what the lord wants you to do there and and uh to, to hold you accountable and rebuke you in that. Right. Um, it, it, it wouldn't be the, the best thing for me to like, just be like, you know, if you're an alcoholic, like give you, give you alcohol. Right. <laughs> like, um, so it's finding that balance, man. And we're people. So we're, we don't, we don't, I, I would probably go ahead and say, we don't, we don't ever get it fully right. 
but we're trying and we're trying to, and we're trying to really lean on the Lord and the Holy spirit that's working inside us because that, that's, that's how God talks to us, right? Like, yes, some people hear audible voices, but he puts the spirit on us. So he moves through us, through our heart, our conscience, our soul. Like he's, he's, he's nudging us to say things or to do things or to um, stand up or to, to talk to someone about this. And um, so, you, so it's being in tune and, and connected to Jesus uh, in that way, in that sense, so that you're able to discern what he's calling you to do or, or, or uh, who he's calling you to confront. Um, so like if we're brothers and sisters and you're doing something wrong, it, like it, I love you so much, man, because what really what's most important to me is not our relationship, right? It's your relationship with him, right? But first and foremost, because, you know, it talks about but the, the Bible talks about like fear God first, right? And then everything else flows from that. So um but the the trap is that we seek people's approval we want attention we want people to like us at the end of the day if i love you and you're my brother like i want what's best for you so i'm gonna be like dude stop doing that and i'm 36 and so i'm a, I'm a slow learner and but the older i get like i have three kids so the less time i have for people to be like i don't need i don't need um you know a, a confrontation sandwich between two niceties just tell me what you think man like Tell me if, if I said something wrong, like, tell me, and I'll be like, okay, I'll take it in. Right. And so that's the, I don't know if you hear the dogs, but that's, yeah. that, that, I, that, that, that's the attitude that I would like to say I have at all times. I don't all times, but most people know, like if they, if they walk with Jesus, um, they, they have a relationship with Jesus. So they know, like, Mm-hmm. I know there's things in my life right now that like I need, I need a little bit of help on, right? Or like I, I sh- probably shouldn't do, you know? And so I'm working on them. Like, and, and the Lord's, and, and there's, I think there's things in my life now that I don't see that I'm doing that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And the Lord's, and the Lord's like getting me to like open my eyes. And so, yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe He's bringing John in my life to be like, bro, you don't do that. Mm-hmm. And so then I could look back and assess and be like, wow, is that, is that, Lord, is, what is this? is this bad? Is this what you want me to stop? Or, you know, so, so, so I know I'm speaking a lot of generalities, but some things are easier than others, like um, getting drunk every night, right? Like the Lord's like, don't do that. Right. Uh, and then there's other things that you're like, ah, you know, and so sometimes we can, it's like, I don't know, this example comes to mind, but like a pastor who cusses in the opening part of a sermon mm-hmm. to paint a picture that like, they don't, and then goes on to talk for 30 minutes and then comes back to it and says, most of you guys checked out because you heard a pastor say, say a cuss word. Right. And then they missed the whole entire message. And I think that's, yeah. that's often what we, what we see. We see the, uh, the, uh, the, the, like out, the outside of the sin, yeah. and, but we're not seeing the heart of the person. Mm-hmm. And so look, one of my prayers every day is quick, to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And I feel like I get that wrong every single day. But it's my prayer for a reason because like, it is so easy to rush to judgment. Mm-hmm. Like I can, and that's what's, the, what's so wrong about social media is like every, everyone wants to just go out there without even thinking about it. Or what they, we watch Fox News and like, or CNN and we're like, oh, it's gospel. They said it, we gotta believe it. So let's go tweet it and post it and send it to everybody. And I'm like, ah, you know, so it's, I always get kids and to, to you gotta think for yourself. Like it, it's not make God into your image. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it's because that's what we can often do is say that God is like 
me and I, I create him myself as opposed to going to scripture and saying, okay, who is God and what is he in this situation and, and how would he act and, and, and figuring that out for, for ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I don't want anybody telling me how I should do it. Like I used to, in my last job, I'd train people and I'd go in there and I'd teach them how to do things. And I used to say, man, I don't know about you. I don't know if you guys have kids, but they don't want you to tell them to do anything. And then I was like, wait a minute. I actually don't want anybody to tell me to do anything. And I'm 36. And so I, I don't know where I'm going with that point, but like um, the grace is a great question. I don't know if I got the Tim Keller quote right or wrong, but it's like, if you operate in an all truth, you're, you're a bully. And if it's mm -hmm. all grace, you're a coward. And so God talks about, I'm, the verse escapes me. Maybe you know it, but like, it's, it's supposed to be full grace and full truth, but we're human. Mm -hmm. So we don't do it. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I used to kind of think that as well as in like, like condemning people. Like it's, it's, there's no good room for it in my opinion, because it's like, we're all sinners. Like we all fall short of the glory of God. So it's like, like, who am I to, to judge someone if they are falling short, you know? And also who knows if, you know, and uh, they will turn away from their sins. That's their, that's their relationship with God, right? Just like you, when you said, you know, you were in your teens, you're doing drugs and alcohol and all these things, right? Even in the beginning of college, you know, and I yeah. could have just been there just condemning you. But at the same time, it's like, you know, like you're on your own journey as well. We're all in different points of our journey, you know? So I think, you know, grace is definitely a really, you know, an important thing too, you know? Well, one of my friends used to say this and, and I hated it. And because we, we tend to disagree on a lot of things, but um, he would say, it's not black and white wells. And I would, I want to make everything black and white, right? Yeah. Like, and there are some things in the, in, in the Bible that are black and white. Don't cheat on your wife, right? Never, ever, ever do that. Mm -hmm. There's no excuse. You can't ever do that. Right. And then there's other things you're like, I mean, it's why there's so many different denominations of churches, right? I mean, some people believe that you should just worship on Saturday, some people on Sunday or whatever, man. And so it's, um, I'll never forget a team chaplain. And when I was, and that's another thing, man, at every team I was at, there was a team chaplain um, involved. And so like, I look back at my journey and it was like Brad Kenny or Steve Wright or, um, um, oh my God, I can't, Oh my God, his name's escaped me. I hope he doesn't listen to this, but um, in New England, oh, freak. It's going to come back to me anyway. But um, like they, they were so instrumental in, in my walk with Jesus. And uh, what was that? I was going to say something. We were talking about grace. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, it's like had a lot of soccer balls, man. <laughs> a lot of bad things. But um, oh, God, there it went again. Oh, he said, keep the main things, the main things. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. if, if uh, Jesus is the son of God. Okay. And uh, like you keep the main things, the main things. And then you focus on those and you don't let yeah. the, and that's not to say that you dismiss the other things, right? You, you mm -hmm. figure it out. Um, but like keep the main things, the main things. And oftentimes yeah. we just want to talk about something that maybe not be so significant. Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. And the black and white thing you're saying makes a lot of sense too, right? You know, because there is a lot of things that are black and white, but then there's other things that are, you know, a little different than that too, you know? So, yeah. so yeah. Um, so on your 
link. So we were talking about labels right at, way at the beginning, right? So on your LinkedIn, it says former pro athlete slash entrepreneur slash ultra runner slash looking to buy a small business. Okay. So yeah, I really want to hear about the ultra runner part. Yeah. How's yeah, that? I mean, what's that? What's, what's up with that? So here's the thing. I don't like the pro athlete label. If you're a pro athlete, use it, use it all day long. Oh yeah. Every day. yeah. It'll, it'll get you in doors and it'll open doors, but just know that, that you're more than that. Um, yeah. The, yeah, that's hard. I've changed that thing so many times, man, because I'm always trying to figure out how to whatever <laughs> the ultra runner thing for me is I just discovered ultra running after my, my career just to look for something to fill the competitive void. And I got into ultra running and I love it for me. It's like, society says like hey you only run a marathon or do a triathlon like you should never run 100 miles or 200 miles or 300 miles and then you get out into this world so an ultra run is anything that's over a marathon and they're usually done in the mountains or on trails right so like 24 hour races 48 hour races like i just ran like maybe like six weeks ago my first 100 mile race and so um you're like wow 100 miles like, like that's horrible for you and i'm like it's really horrible for you to sit all day and eat a gallon of ice cream every night. You pick your poison, right? And so for me, it's like, maybe it's bad for my body, but it's so good for my soul. And I say this understanding that my perspective is very different from a lot of people. Um, and, I, and, and I'm sensitive to the, the pains that we do have, but like God did not call us to comfort. God did not call us to an American dream to live in a nice house with a nice neighborhood and AC and to upsize our car and to, um, to have everything catered to us, right? Um, and, and, and again, you go back to their good things. You know, how are we stewarding all of what we have? Because it's all his. It's all mm -hmm. his, right? And so I'm, I, really, um, uh, I really operate from a physical. Like if I take care of my physical, um, everything else follows. The spiritual, the mental. And so I look back on my career and one of the things, like I train my body every day multiple hours a day but i didn't train my mind much and i think that ultra running for me it says a lot about who i am and what i believe and i believe that like pain is a teacher i believe that most of us could use a little more pain in our lives mm -hmm. um, i believe that it says that i'm not okay with like the status quo or the ordinary or believing the crap that society or fox news or any tv station wants to put on us mm -hmm. and so again it goes back to think for yourself and uh, like we can do more than we, we give ourselves credit for. You know, the Navy SEALs who are like the baddest MFers on the planet say, when you think you're at your max, you're only at 40%. And so I've really started to kind of, and I'm really good in certain areas of my life. Like I'm really mentally strong because I think so much of it is, is mental and stems from that. So if it's like, the, it's like the, uh, the rudder on a boat, right? Like, if, you're, if your mind is sharp and strong, it's going to take you a lot of places and your body will follow and your spiritual follow. And um, so like, I've really just challenged myself to like, uh, and I, in, in ultra running to push myself past my, my limits. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it's fun. I enjoy it. It's, it's tough. It's really hard to, to run a hundred miles, but I think most of life is like, it's, it's 10% what happens to you and 90% how you handle it. Mm -hmm. And so you know, God uses everything for our good and his glory. And he says that we should actually rejoice in, in tribulations and his struggles because it produces the character and all that good stuff. And so when I look back at my life, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't change the struggles for anything, but while we're in it, it sucks. And, 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 and the lessons that God teaches us suck. 
right? But at the end of the day, we're better for it and he's glorified because of it. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to figure out, I'm actually trying to start a little bit of an ultra running uh, company and, and put on some races and, and just, I just want to inspire people to like, and so the reason I ran hundred miles was to, to build, to build dig wells in Africa in East Africa. And we were able to dig two school wells, which will raise $22,000. We were able to dig two school wells, which provide thousands and thousands of kids for, with clean drinking water for life. Like John, there's people around the world that don't have clean drinking water. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like, and the fact is they actually have it. They walk on it. They just can't get to it. And so like we get upset when we don't have ice in our water or, and look, I'm preaching myself here because yeah. I am a baby. I am a, I'm a baby and I'm trying to work and push myself. But I think that like um, through pain and struggle, um, we, without that stuff, we don't really understand what beauty and goodness is. Yeah. So we need that stuff for the good stuff. And, and ultra running is just a way that I, I, I try to like create that in my life. And, and I try to like tap into, well, what am I believing about this? Because oftentimes if we just change our perspective, it changes our life. So. Definitely. Yeah. And there's a verse in, in the Bible as well, where it talks about like, it's through the, it's through the suffering and through all the pain that we go through it. And, and because of that, we, we become stronger, you know, in, in Christ. So yeah. it's, uh, yeah, it's definitely crazy. I actually just listened to David Goggins, book as well, as well, the audio book. And he, he does the ultra marathons as well. And, uh, yeah, it's very mental. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people will hear this and they're like, Oh, he's a pro athlete. Like he, he does extreme sports. It's very different conditioning. Right. And, yeah. and, there are some crazy people. So before I did my hundred mile race, I was doing an interview for the local uh, newspaper and TV station. And the guy was like, Hey, did you, did you see my story last week? I was like, no, tell me about it. He said, I interviewed a 76 year old man who has run over 250 ultra marathons. And still to this day, he's 76. He runs a hundred mile races and 24 hour races. And so I'm like, Oh my God. We will wild. never know how crazy that is. I love this about Matthew McConaughey. He says, he says the stupidest, have you ever heard this? The stupidest word in the English language of the dictionary is unbelievable because time and time again, we as humans have, uh, have done the impossible, have done the unbelievable. So we should just start to believe it, right? Because so many people break the odds. So many people um, do the things that, others say they can't or shouldn't do so yeah we should live that way yeah i like that that's that's a great way because like yeah the belief system you know a lot of times we we have these limiting beliefs you know but yeah we continue to break those 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 beliefs and it's it's wild yeah. it's wild yeah it's fascinating i was coaching soccer this morning and coaching a kid and my son was out there and i was like declan do this and he was like i'm bad at i'm bad at dribbling and I was like, no, 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 you're not, man. Don't say that. That's a limiting, that's a fixed mindset. Yeah. Bad at this. And so what, that's what, what I, I've started a company called Soccer Resilience Training. Mm -hmm. And so it's me and a, a sports psychologist who um, we, we want to teach kids that like, um, it, it, it's about mindset. It's about attitude. There's so much more that goes on, into it than just your physical. Like we believe that like mental training is way greater than, um, physical training because if you have all the physical attributes but you don't have the mental part well then you're not, it's not going to take you very far but if you have the mental part you can develop the physical part 
And so like, that's something that I'm looking, like trying to instill in my kids and teaching them. And if you, like the trick is becoming aware of it. Where do we, because the di we all have dialogue inside our head. It's the greatest dialogue we have and we're always talking to ourselves. So what are the messages we're telling ourselves? It goes back to labels. How are we labeling ourselves? Am I just an athlete? Because I've done that my whole life. Am I not very good at school? Because I've done that my whole life. Or is it, I'm just not applying myself. I can work harder. So yeah, man, you hit it, hit it head on. Yeah. It's like re reframing as well. Like, like you said there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just, you know, I wanted to thank you, you know, for, for taking the time to come on and everything. If there's, is, is there any way we could support you? Any, anything you want to drop or talk about? Yeah. So, uh, Wells Thompson soccer is my website. I don't do much on social media. I do. I'm on Facebook. I have a, like a normal Facebook and then a Wells Thompson soccer Facebook. So you can hit me up there. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. So, um, hit me up on LinkedIn. Um, two things to look out for is the shift podcast. Um, so check that out on all, like, you know, all platforms, Spotify, Apple podcasts, and then, um, you go that on Facebook as well. And then another one is soccer resilience. Um, we're still, it's on Facebook, but we're still, it's actually on my, through my website as well. But, um, just check that stuff out. But, um, my cell phone number, I love giving my cell phone out. Call me anytime. Seriously, three, three, six. You can put this in the show notes, Sean, mm -hmm. five, seven, five, three, three, two, four. Willing to talk to you about anything and everything, help you with your game of soccer, your mental game text me anytime and, uh, and email me wells at wellsthompsonsoccer.com. So one of the things I love to do is give that out because it's funny, man, you think people would like take you up on it, but they don't. So, yeah, uh, you know, if you're a young kid listening, give me a shout. Awesome. Well, thank you. Wells again, I appreciate it. So yeah, already buddy. God bless. Thanks, guys, for tuning in to another episode of A Footballer's Faith. What a great episode, right, with uh, Wells here and, yeah, just you know, helping us, you know, with, with gaining, you know, this, this, this perspective, right, and you know, losing more of ourself, but, you know, coming closer to Christ and who he is, right? And, yeah, I really liked how, you know, he dropped... Uh, you know, the, the, the stories that he dropped, you know, about, you know, winning the MLS Cup, uh, but still, you know, you know, finding his, his fulfillment in Christ. And yeah, I just, uh, and I'm really blown away how, how you know, the, the perspective, you know, that he has and very inspiring and, you know, hope you guys, you know, took away some value. And yeah, go check out his stuff. I'm putting it in the show notes here. You know, his website, um, even his phone number, like you said, you can reach out to him. And, and yeah, any way you guys can support Wells is, is great. And because, you know, supporting, you know, him, he's, he, I like how he's, you know, furthering uh, his work for the kingdom of God, you know, and it's, uh, it's very inspiring. So yeah, and you can also, you know, for me, you could check out my website as well, footballersfaith.com. And we got some merchandise coming out, okay? So you can pre-order your merchandise. It's got the Footballers Faith logo on the front. It's got inspiring Bible quotes on the back. The first one is, um, it's just an encouragement. Um, you know, it's, it's this first uh, release that we have. It's, it says, we have hope on the back. And, and yeah, so... Uh, please, you know, 
if you can as well, like, share, and subscribe to this, this podcast. Definitely leave a rating and a review if you can, because, you know, if you do, it helps us move up in the rankings. That way, other footballers in Christ can find this, you know, this podcast. You know, it helps us a lot. So that would be fantastic if you could. And lastly, the the uh, the, the verse for this for this podcast. I mean, uh, Wells dropped it. You know, he said uh, from Colossians three twenty three, right? Whatever you do. You know, work at it as working for the Lord and not for human masters, right? And that's just very, it's very true. You know, you could, you could do that about anything in life, really. But like, if we're working for the Lord, right? So like he said for me, you know, as, as a goalkeeper, God wants me to be the most dominant, passionate, best goalkeeper in the world, because it glorifies God because he knows God knows that I'm doing this for him right and not for not for man so um, you know whatever you're doing you know what are you passionate about what is your purpose right um, and you know think to yourself you know re- reflect to yourself all right am I doing this for the Lord or am I doing it for myself do I really enjoy what I'm doing am I passionate about it I feel alive about it, right? And, you know, whatever you do, I can promise you this. Whatever you do, when God is there, right? Whatever, whatever you know, job or occupation or whatever you're doing in life, when God is present, when you can feel the presence of God, then you will feel, you know, this, this passion, this joy, right? So keep seeking on the Lord. Keep you know, praying, you know, you can pray to him wherever, you know, it's just a conversation with God, you know, anywhere, you don't have to be out of church, you could be, you know, in the park, you could be going for a walk, you do it in your house, wherever, right, God is always with us, right, so, so yeah, I appreciate you guys, you know, the loyal listeners here, man, like, this is only the beginning, you know, we just keep going, we keep growing, we keep learning, and, and keep manifesting, really, you know, and this is, this is all for the glory of God, so, all right, guys, thanks, take care.